Ah, well, looks like I'm subscribed to the Solar Spill. Nice work. And you should too, dear listener. We are uh, we're here, you know, making this this little podcast um, for maybe what all three, four of you out there, and we <laughs> hey, really appreciate. It was only two people before. It was so just like two, yeah. It's growing. It's growing. Yeah, it's definitely growing. And uh, Susanna, I actually before we you know before we get into the episode, yeah, um, I, you know, I, I wanted to to give you a really easy way to decrease your carbon footprint. Oh, great! Because that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, you just lay it on me. Yeah, um, you just want to walk on fewer coals. <laughs> Is that no? no, no. Uh, oh, well, welcome everyone to the solar spill. Yes, this week we'll be talking about your carbon footprint. Hmm. Do you know how much your carbon footprint actually is? The, me? Yeah, you. Oh uh, man, like I think when I joined SunCommon mm-hmm. like over a year ago, I like took a quiz. There was like this really long, like multi-page quiz that mm-hmm. I took, and it like spit out some like number. Yeah. I don't really remember. I don't remember what does it yeah. even mean. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy because I've taken those quizzes too, and I actually don't remember what the number is either. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so, the episode's off to a flying start. Yeah. This is great. Well, it's just tricky because it's so abstract, you know? Yeah, right. Okay, but I've got the average. So, the average American person, what do you think their carbon footprint is? Um, it's it's in tons, right? Mm-hmm. The car- so, like, in tons per year. America, I do know we produce a bunch. I think the most of it. So, ten, nine? Something? Yeah, it's uh, it's up there. Yep, it's 16. Holy moly. 16 tons a year, yeah, oh gosh. of CO2 per person. And a sustainable level, so what the Earth could actually uh, deal with every year would be more like one to three tons per person a year. Wait, what? So, it is, yeah, it's we're way, way more than what the Earth can handle. Oh, my, oh my lordy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, who do you think has the highest per capita carbon footprint in the world? Uh, it's got to be us, right? It's got to be the U.S. No? Yes. It depends on what list you look at. Um, but the U.S. and Australia are definitely up there. Australia. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Because they actually have really strong ties to the coal industry because they mine a lot of coal. So ah. a lot of their energy comes from that, which is more carbon intensive than other forms. But U.S. Virgin Islands, Netherlands, Kuwait—they're all up there. Hmm. Wait, so who who would have the lowest then? So the lowest is places like Nepal or Kenya and Ghana. Those are some of the three lowest. Uh, what's, like, is there something that connects? This just feels like a weird group of, like, grouping of, of countries. Like, so what, like... What's the difference? Like, what, what makes these higher or lower? It's really just one thing. It just all comes down to lifestyle. Lifestyle. That's it. Like the Young Thug song, Lifestyle. <laughs> no? No, okay. not like that. Right, like, what do you do in your life? What kind of energy are you expending every day? So exactly like the Young Thug song. That's great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a great track. I can't understand the chorus. Uh, so, so, yeah. so like the top 10% richest people in the world or richest populations in the world are responsible for almost half of all lifestyle emissions. Oh, gosh. And, you know, before you say, that's not me, I'm not 10% richest, remember that according to Credit Suisse, to be in top 10% of the world's population, you only have to own $68,000 in wealth. Oh, okay. So if you have a house and you own a little bit of it, you know, if you're a couple of years into your mortgage, 
Um, if you have a car, if you have any savings at all, you probably easily reach that $68,000 threshold and some, especially because the Federal Reserve says that the median American family, so just family in the middle in America, has $81,000 in owned wealth. So just the middle American family already has more than that. Oh my gosh. So that means, you know, quite a few Americans, probably the most Americans, are considered 10%, top 10% richest in the world. What is this feeling I'm, I'm feeling? It's like a, like a rich guilt, like a, like a feeling as if uh, I've never felt rich before and I've never felt this guilty before. Yeah, it's real. But when you look at how the rest of the world lives, we are enormously privileged and we use an enormous amount of energy because of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I've been, this, this year, I think more than most, I've actually been really feeling that privilege. It's like this crazy thing that like, obviously a time of recording, like, you know, still weathering a global pandemic and, you know, just having the privilege to like work from home and still be able to sustain my family when so many Americans and so many people around the world uh, are not having a, hard, uh, a good time of this and, and absolutely will not be able to recover from the impact of this. So yeah, really feeling my privilege here. It's really important to recognize. Yeah, so understanding that probably most of us listening to this podcast are in that bracket that are using a ton of energy let's talk a little bit more about where are these emissions coming from which is honestly a question you can't ask without me trying to make a poop joke but like (laughs) let me let me do the asking (laughs) them because yeah no seriously Uh, like emissions oh yeah you know where do our emissions come from Susanna? like and what are we counting i guess towards our towards our score yes yes okay so the carbon footprint is the measure of greenhouse gases produced by your activities So in general, you're going to look at your location, how you get around, um, heat and electricity, your diet, your family size, how you manage your waste, things like that. And there's a lot of different calculators out there. The one from uh, Mm conservation.org is really helpful. I like that one because as you kind of adjust it, adjust the little bars, you can see how much your footprint changes. So you Mm. can kind of see the impact you're making as you make changes, which is cool. Um, but okay, so for the average person, where's all that carbon coming from? Mm-hmm. So I've got a pie chart here from the Union of Concerned Scientists. I hope you're going to explain this pie chart for I'm our listeners. I'm going to explain it. A pie chart built for radio. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Back in 2019, they put this out to help people understand where their carbon footprint was coming from. Because it's a mystery, right? You're like, oh, my carbon footprint's so huge, but I don't know, like, what is it? Okay, so the categories are transportation, food, home power, heating and cooling, and stuff you buy. Okay. So which one do you think is the biggest chunk? What's the biggest slice of the pie? Uh, probably like home heating, cooling, maybe? M- maybe, I mean, I just feel like I, I, that's the one that I feel the most in terms of dollar value of just heating my home. So maybe it, maybe it doesn't line up one-to-one. That makes total sense. I know the... The oil bill is always very painful. Right. It's, it? yeah, maybe, fill out the tank. Yeah, maybe it's just the, like, yeah, like correlating that to a dollar value that makes me feel like that's the highest impact. But I'm not sure. Yeah. I actually don't know. That's not a bad guess because home heating and cooling is 17%. Oh, wow. Okay. According to this pie chart, but that's actually not the biggest slice. Huh. If you combine that with your other home power needs, which is 15%, altogether, your home would be the biggest chunk at 32%. Okay, so all right, combining them. But what's the single biggest? The single biggest is actually transportation at 28%. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Followed by stuff you buy at 26%. Huh. And then um, your home, of course, and then food at 14%. Oh, okay, totally. Well, let's yeah. break it down. 
Let's break it down. Okay, so how much do you think you emit compared to the average American household, more or less? I mean, this is where I want to make the poop joke. I probably, <laughs> like, no, 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 and yeah, sorry, grounding, <laughs> grounding in all seriousness, like, from everything we discussed, like, if indeed by Credit Suisse's standards, I'm, I'm, I'm rich, uh, Dave Chappelle, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, then yeah, I, prob I probably, I probably, uh, this is my guilt now, this is the feeling, I'm probably, uh, yeah, emitting more than the average bear. Yeah, well, it turns out there's actually a pretty straightforward litmus test. Oh, okay. If you're not going to take the, the quiz online, um, household income is the primary determinant of a person's actual ecological mm, footprint. Okay. So if you're on the wealthier side of the income spectrum, chances are you are responsible for more carbon emissions than the average American. So kind of like you were saying, like if 80K is that average American thing, like already most Americans are above that global poverty line. So Americans are producing more, but then I guess if you're coming in around 80 or over for your average income of a family, you're probably more than the average American. Right. Is that safe to assume? Yes. All right, cool, cool. Yes. Yeah, so there's this really interesting article on Fox that looked at a study out of a 2017 edition of the journal Environment and Behavior, and they looked at the impact people made versus a few other things about them, like if they self-identified as environmentally conscious or green-leaning, um, look at their income, things like that. Mm. This is a quote from the article. The variables that most predict carbon footprint are per capita living space, energy used for household appliances, meat consumption, car use, and vacation travel. Oh. And wealthy people, even those who self-identify as green, consume more and do more of all those things. Basically, research shows that the cynical view is roughly correct. Environmental identity will lead to some relatively low impact and high signaling pro-environmental behaviors, like carrying a canvas bag, but it rarely drives serious reductions in the biggest sources of lifestyle emissions, like not flying. Hmm. Environmental self-identification rises with income, but so do emissions. Whoa. It's crazy. So this article is basically saying whether or not you identify as being pro-environment doesn't matter. So even if, you, if you're like, oh, I'm green, I'm doing the right thing. This article says, no, it doesn't matter because actually income is the actual best indicator of your carbon footprint. And if you have more income, even if you're green leaning, you probably have a bigger footprint simply because your income gives you access to higher carbon activities like a bigger house that you have to spend more money and energy to heat, like the ability to fly around the world to go on your vacations, like the ability to have an SUV. My mind is so blown right now, and I'm trying to think about, like, all of my crazy uncles. Like, oh, no. like climate denier crazy uncles, mm -hmm. right? And, like, yo, what if they're emitting less than I am? They might be. Oh, my G. That's a lot for me to process right now. Thanksgiving's going to be even more awkward. <laughs> I'm saying, dude. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's good to know, right? And in a way, it's, like, kind of in a weird way, it's kind of hopeful because you think... Well, if you have more money, then you probably also have more access to the solutions. Mm -hmm. So once you understand, okay, if I have this higher income, I probably have a higher carbon footprint. I also have the power to do more. Yeah. It's also so, it's like kind of refreshing or hopeful um, to sort of depoliticize like the idea yes. of climate change and our impact on it. Because it's like, it's really like when we can take politics out of the equation, um, and really just look at it in terms of like brass tax economy, like, yeah, it's something that the people with the most might have the most responsibility and ability to change. And like, Absolutely. great, like good. Those are the people that can be moving the needle the most and have the most 
you know, income flexibility to do so. Yes. That's hopeful. That sounds cool. Yes. So I'm the crazy uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So now that we've accepted it. <laughs> well, I'm still processing, but yeah. Okay. I'm moving towards acceptance. How do we lower our emissions? All right. How do we do it? Tell okay. Me. So the number one, <laughs> that number one biggest chunk, right? When you um, added together home power and heating and cooling costs was a home, right? That's, that's over 30%. Right, yeah, okay. was just for your home. But great news, solar oh. can offset that. I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. Trojan horse. Mm -hmm. Call some common for all your solar needs. That's right. And plug, really do do call us. Yes. We, we have experts standing by. Call us They're now. awesome. They're great. We're here. I don't, I don't think I'm going to answer the phone, but we're here. <laughs> yes. So for every kilowatt of solar installed, you can save 1.5 tons of carbon emissions annually. Oh, my gosh. And if you'll remember, the average American carbon footprint per person was something like 16 tons a year. Right. You could easily offset that with a solar system. That's amazing. Yes. And you absolutely can offset the 30% of your own footprint with solar. So if you can heat and power your home with solar, powering easy, right? Because your home's already set up with electric. Heating and cooling, you can do with geothermal or with heat pumps. Any electric source, you run that off solar, you're done. That's amazing. 30% of your fo your footprint is gone. That's remarkable. It's probably the single biggest thing you could do to wipe out the biggest chunk. That's amazing. Uh, I'm, I cannot wait to go solar for more reasons than one. Yes. <laughs> like for real though, I, I really want to go solar. I know. Not it's... just because I work here. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the number two thing mm -hmm. is eating less meat. Ah, fun fact, both of your podcast hosts are vegetarians. Oh, it's so true. I'm just trying to like counteract the guilt that I've accepted <laughs> from the first part of this recording. Right, okay, so you, you and I, we've already ticked off one of the solutions here. Yeah, that's amazing. So maybe our footprint is lower than we think it is. Okay, yeah, we have to do our math again. Slightly less guilt. All right, cool, slightly, slightly. <laughs> so, so you know adopting a plant-rich diet actually has a bigger impact than you think because the meat industry has a pretty big impact on greenhouse gas emissions hmm. just because of how big it is right right globally raising livestock produces 7.1 gigatons of co2 equivalent per year gigaton representing almost 15 percent of all anthropogenic greenhouse gas emissions, according to Food and Agricultural Organization of the UN. That's a lot. It is so much. Yeah. And cattle alone are responsible for 65% of emissions because of burp, burp. Oh, wait. Cow tooths. You, okay. So so it ended up that you were making the emissions jokes yes. all along. I Yes. This is great. I think I accepted <laughs> this or something. I don't know. Accepted this. I always love when it's you and not the like village idiot, me, that's making yep. the jokes on mm -hmm. this cast. That's I just great. made the two jokes. That was good. Awesome. So cow farts. Mm -hmm. Here we are. Here we are. Back where we started, I guess. <laughs> but have you seen the new documentary, Kiss the Ground? No, you, this is the one you were telling me it's about, It's really right? good, yeah. yeah. Right. Everyone go check it out. Plug for Netflix, Kiss the Ground. It's really interesting because they talk about cattle in a new way, and it's much more nuanced. It's not just, we can't eat meat, don't eat meat. But they talk about how the soil can ask, actually sequester so much carbon. Yes, and so we need to have regenerative farming practices that put more carbon in the soil, allow the soil to do that carbon sequestration work. And part of that is actually grazing cattle, 
it's just not in the existing factory farming system that the vast majority of cattle is raised in now. That's amazing. Actually, I remember the regenerative farming like subject. We explored that in one of the short films from last year's Climate yes. Action Film Festival. Yes. That was like the first time that I had ever heard of this and like how you know carbon could be sequestered and like processed well in the earth. That's like super cool. It actually also reminds me. Um, we have an in-house storyteller, super uh, talented guy, Patrick, you know well. Um, and Patrick does like a lot of our videography and photography. So if you've like ever liked a photo on our uh, social channels, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Um, he's taking a lot of those photos um, and making video. And he's actually working on a piece. Um, he met this really uh, cool customer of ours who went solar. Um, and she maintains a farm that has a symbiotic relationship between their sheep and their ground mount solar system. Like, I don't so know cool. all the details, but it sounds a lot like this cow thing where it's like the height of the sheep, they can like move freely underneath the panels. Nice. Um, and it provides them some shade during the day and they like, you know, like process the grass and like graze. And like, it's just apparently a really cool example of regenerative like nice. farming sustainably yeah. with solar. Um, yeah. So that story is probably going to be coming out on our social channels at some awesome. point. Awesome. That sounds so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's all about creating those sort of symbiotic systems. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love it. And like symbiosis of like not eating all the animals. Sorry. Well, vegetarianism plug. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think the good news here is that, you know, for so many people, the request to not eat meat is just overwhelmingly difficult. It's just too hard. They yeah. just can't imagine or they just don't like the the taste or they really miss the flavors. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the Kiss the Ground documentary and the, the idea that cows could be part of a solution if farmed in appropriate ways, is just such a relief, right? Because yeah. it means like, yes, eat less meat. Maybe you only eat it half the week or a few days of the week. And when you do, just eat it from farmers that are farming in this regenerative fashion yeah. so that the meat you're eating is actually supporting carbon sequestration, not contributing to the problem. It makes so much sense. And it's something that I've actually enjoyed. Well, like since moving up here to the Hudson Valley, I've like probably had like a cheat meat meal like mm -hmm. more often since moving up here than ever when I was living in New York City because yeah. like your partner Pat would like bring meat from like a local farm and you're like literally like oh it's just it's down the road and we know their practices and it's good like that felt right to me and yeah. it tasted delicious you know yeah it was good so it, like, do, it feels so good to know where your food comes from yeah, absolutely it really does so what about so that was that was two we've covered we got you know going solar with heating uh, and heating and cooling with electricity yeah. and then eating less meat is mm -hmm. there another way that we could be reducing yes. our footprint Yes, it's all about transportation. So oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. If you remember that, the single biggest nugget, if you kept everything in its own little category, 28% um, was transportation. Yeah. And that includes everyday travel, going to the grocery store, going to school, your work, um, but then also things like vacation, mm. which a lot of us are guilty of getting on the plane, going to visit family, going to the beach. Um, you know, it's wonderful that we have those opportunities, but they really do take a toll on the planet and they increase our greenhouse gas emissions enormously. Absolutely. So the best thing you can do for climate change is really reducing the impact of your vehicle. If you can't go EV, do the best you can with your internal combustion vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, taking your car off the road for a year could save as much as 2.6 tons of your CO2 emissions. Oh, that's amazing. So that's quite a bit if you could just use your car less. So, you know, realistically around here, you need a car. Um, or at the very least, you need the bus to come very close. To oh, yeah, your house, you're, which you're, we're both pretty far from the closest bus stop. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these tips definitely feel like the most um, 
just kind of the trickiest, I guess. Some of these tips that, that we found out were drive gently, so accelerating and braking slowly to conserve energy output. If you drive a Prius or an electric car, they have these really cool little meters that kind of tell you how aggressively you're driving and therefore how much energy you're using I'm or like not. I'm kind of addicted to the one in my Prius. Yeah, yeah, isn't it helpful? Yeah, it's really, really cool. I've driven in somewhere they actually give you a grade at the end. So oh, as nice. you turn off your car, it's like F or, you know, <laughs> C plus. I'm like, oh no. Yeah, exactly. Those of us who are motivated by such things yeah. are like, oh, I'm gonna get an A next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, air conditioning is another big energy suck in the car so again if you have an ev it's fascinating because as you're driving along you might put the heat on or the air con on and you instantly see your miles oh, your range decrease. drop yeah yeah because the car's like oh if you're gonna use ac for another 30 minutes then you're gonna wipe out 100 miles wow that's insane yeah so it's actually it's kind of cool how having an ev makes you so much more aware of the energy you're using in your car yeah. because of those things but if you have an internal combustion car really only use your air conditioning when necessary um, using cruise control is another thing mm -hmm. that can help um, carpooling of course and then obviously drive electric. Yeah, it's so interesting too, like almost like making a through line to the point that we were making a couple minutes ago about like, you know, depoliticizing or like almost like checking yourself in terms of your like outward green, um, uh, what is the word? Identification. Identification, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's different ways to get motivated about changes that uh, will end up having a really positive impact on reducing your carbon emissions. Like I kept on thinking about um, when we were preparing for this episode, I think it was UPS. Um, they instituted this like fleet wide policy of essentially if, if a driver could avoid a left turn on a route, what? they should do so. Yeah. And it's like, it a sounds left turn. Yeah, exactly. It sounds what? like that's not going to make a difference. Well, apparently, apparently it does. So you like, have to make three rights to make a left. Yeah. What they, what they found was after like a pilot program, you're absolutely right. I think like your brain is like, that doesn't make sense. Like, just yeah. get me there quickest. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, I'm there. Surely that's better. Surely. Uh, but apparently just when they were looking at traffic patterns around the United States and especially on their delivery routes, they realized that when the driver would make the left turn, that on mass over the, over like the lifetime of the driver, let's say, or over the year of driving, it actually increased idle times and it increased distances driven because the huh. left turn is like a way more ponderous thing for a driver to pull off in the American like road and highway system. And what they found was that um, by avoiding left turns uh, whenever possible, like not as like a, you must avoid like no left turns allowed, but just whenever possible avoiding left turns and rerouting, uh, their goal was to save money. So they saved about 10 million gallons of fuel per year, wow. but that was immediately tied to uh, 100,000 metric tons of CO2 emissions a year were cut out of their That's fleet. crazy. Yeah. And it was just like, it's something that kind of, if you were just approaching it from like a green perspective, you might not have the imagination to think of like, oh, left turns, but like they were coming at it from a purely fiscal standpoint. Like how do we cut down on miles driven? How do we save, you know, on gallons of fuel? And this was like almost a decade ago because I think fuel prices were obviously way higher, but they ended up essentially taking the equivalent of about 21,000 cars off the road each year since wow. they implemented that policy. That's nuts. Yeah, so it's just like, it's like Does kind of Does that mean scale. we should just all stop turning left? Should we add that to the list? Yeah, well, look, so many, some of these <laughs> tips, I mean, we were talking about this right before we hit record, but it's like, we've got, some of these tips are like, really achievable right and yet yeah you kind of feel like i mean oh. keeping your tires pumped up yeah i right? just sort of wonder like is that really even helpful well it's got, like i guess these things kind of add up right like 
it feels like, especially as like an individual consumer or an individual like family, like what difference can I make? Like you yeah. can, it actually rolls up. Like also really like hot showers, and I don't want to stop taking them. Well, then yeah, maybe balance those hot showers with the meat you're not eating or whatever. <laughs> that's right. I don't eat meat. That's right. that's my trade. No, no canapé. I take a hot shower all day. That was that was a forced rhyme of the word. Young Thug, if you're listening, if you're listening, feature sixteen bars right here. Um, 16 tons, 16 metric tons of carbon. Oh my gosh, good right luck. Here. Good luck with that dream. That's, look. To beat the climate rapper. I'm just saying, I'm just saying there's a space. There's a space. There's a, there's a, there's a blue ocean. I'm, oh my gosh, I want you to fill it. Please. It's <laughs> all you. Sweet. Uh, cool. So there's that. Um, and then I guess, is there, is there anything else that might contribute? reducing your emissions um, there is one more on this list and this is taken from the drawdown book Did, mm. have you read the drawdown yeah book? yeah I've yeah read, i've read uh chapters of it. i think it actually yeah. breaks up really well for like ch- like chunks of reading yeah um so yeah i've read well and it's nice it. that you know somebody edited together an anthology of the 100 most impactful things we can do to reduce climate change since no one else had done that i just love that in this episode we've plugged uh kiss the ground We've plugged uh, Drawdown, and we've plugged mm-hmm. Young Thug. It's just... And Conservation.org. Conservation.org. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> These are the only things you need to know. <laughs> okay, but the Drawdown book is really good. It is. It's great. Um, and they had definitely some things in there that were controversial, and um, this was one of them, just um, having fewer children. So... <laughs> you dropped that one like a, like an anvil. Yeah. yeah. Stop having kids, folks. Yeah. One less person in the world means an average of 16 tons of energy not consumed by them every year. Wow. So, you know, I mean, the, the, and it's true. Like, the more people you add, the more they're going to consume. Yeah, so we are for sure. overpopulated for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that that one's a little tricky. Uh, we, both, we both have kids of our own. We do. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I mean, like, like, so much of this is, like, you know, human instinct and social pressure and societal engineering, all these things that come together to... To sort of define what we all see as a good life, and like there's part there's parts of it obviously that are like, you know, in proportion would be sustainable, but there's so many of them that just come down to like, the, the sort of like uh, the convenience, you know, the, the killer of convenience, and like if we can sort of live with more intention, and if we can start to try to at least be honest enough with ourselves that we're like looking for where we are making an impact. And mitigate those places. I think it, it could add up, right? Like we could make a change without ruining or destroying the way we want to live. I think it does add up, and I think you're, you know, yeah, I think you're right. But I, the question that I keep coming back to is, I think, um, well described by the transportation question, hmm. because I can't afford an EV right now. Um, I would love for my next car to be uh, an electric minivan, Toyota. Please make one. <laughs> um, but since that's not around, you know, the next the next biggest thing I probably could do is bicycle. And I do love cycling. Yeah. And when I lived in more cycling-friendly places, for example, I lived in Melbourne for a little while, so cycling-friendly. I was able to bike to work every day there on these beautiful bike paths. It was great. Nice. We don't have that kind of infrastructure here. And, um, you know, we live kind of rurally in the Hudson Valley, and there's not a lot of bike lanes, and a lot of the roads are 55 miles an hour. And there's just not a lot of other cyclists either, so car drivers aren't expecting yeah, the culture, you to be on the, the road. Yeah, the culture of biking isn't here. 
So my question then is, you know, is it really worthwhile me risking my life to take my bicycle to the grocery store just in the change, you know, just just to try and make this climate change when it's really like, I really need the infrastructure to change. Like, is me riding my bike really going to make a difference here? Right. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny that now I'm going to end up plugging more than one rapper in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm so sorry. But what you just said reminded me of um, uh, Killer Mike. Uh, Killer Mike from Atlanta, like, you know, proud son of Atlanta and really is is kind of a, a dual, a, it's like a dual force of both an incredible rapper, um, both in his solo career and in Run the Jewels, but also has become this kind of like bastion of local organizing. He's super, super forward as an activist, but he always talks about the strength of local action. Um, and, you know, that's also one of the values that our company, Suncommon, was founded on. Like our founders were all about local action and local organizing. Totally. Um, and, and it really has a major impact. So to, to plug Killer Mike and, and sort of the point is like, this has been a really hard year. <laughs> and it's actually thrown into relief a lot of the biggest unanswered problems of our society from climate change and, you know, basically like providing basic health care to its population and providing for the most... Um, either impoverished or even just you know endangered populations like from old people or people in prisons who where COVID is running rampant, um, and it seems hopeless, right? Like it, it, sometimes there's just so many big problems thrown at you that seem so hopeless. And I, I'm paraphrasing Killer Mike here, but like basically he said, you know, when things seem bigger and more hopeless than you can imagine on a global scale on a country scale, go local. Like talk to your neighbors, learn about the mile or the block around you. And really like link up with the people that you live close to, even if you don't agree with them politically and see what kind of changes you can agree to making together. Like, yo, okay, yeah, you can't cycle to work. I can't cycle to work. But like we live a mile apart and we work at the same office. So when we go back to, you know, working in an office or maybe when we need to go grocery shopping, like we should. Oh, man. We should carpool. Yeah. You want to go grocery shopping with me? That was the part. <laughs> really? Yeah, no. You want to coordinate our schedules to go I grocery just, shopping I don't know me? if I can handle a scrutinous eye on my grocery. Like, I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm like that standard dude who can't find anything. My partner. The order of the grocery store does not change. What do you mean you cannot find anything? Dude. It's the same every week. And so, yeah, like my partner like, you know, go to the grocery store and like get this list of things like XYZ and pick up some cilantro. Um, and so I like came home with all of the things, like a big fresh bundle of parsley, like that feeling is not proud. The same. Yeah, that's not the I, same at all. I, I will be reminded of that forever. So yes, the prospect of grocery shopping with you. Is yeah, you horrifying. didn't smell it. I mean, Look, they're I just, pretty different. I, oh my gosh! It also is, says it right on the tag. You know, I am not going to even. I'm not even going to go back to this horrible dark place that I exist in every day. So yeah, we're going to car carpool and then. I'm going to make sure to start at the other end of the supermarket than you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, that's great. No, thanks, podcast. Look at what you've done to my lifestyle. Okay, but no, on a serious note, I do want to say that I think that, you know, for people who have the appetite to make the lifestyle changes and who have the ability and the, you know, the, uh, the means, the privilege with to make the changes, I do think that it can be really helpful as a signal and as a, a way to change society minds, society's mind as a whole. Yes, I right? do agree. I do agree. Because if you think about how organic food 25, 30 years ago was not in the mainstream, yeah. you know, and now Whole Foods is owned by Amazon and you can get organic food in Walmart. Yeah. It's, that's really important. It's a great point because like, it's so funny, especially with us and the culture at some common, 
we're super critical of ourselves. You know, we, we constantly are like in this debate of like, yeah, we know that going solar is the number one way to cut down emissions as a family or as a home, let's say like as like a, as a home entity. Um, and we, we, we know that the science proves it and we know that that's a really good option. So again, plug, if you're ready to go solar or even explore that as an option, like definitely come talk to us if you're in New York or Vermont. But it's the smaller and more subtle things where we're constantly checking ourselves and being like, oh yeah, like I guess like if I like, you know, bring my own bag to the grocery store, like is that signaling or is that, is that like, you know, is yeah. it an empty gesture? But I love how you just put it like signaling still sends a signal. Right. right? And like it's better than the, the host of other signals that you could be sending with that same energy. So like, I really like the way that you put that, Suzanne. That was super inspiring. Good, yeah. You know, I think it's it's important to be the torchbearer, if you can be, you know, because then you're, you're carrying the light for other people. Yeah, and using your privilege for good. Yeah. You know, instead of just being lazy and exactly. you know, mindless about it. What a horrible then, note to end on. <laughs> you lazy. I'm lazy. Hey, look, we're all lazy. We all get lazy. Hey, at least we don't sometimes. eat meat. Yeah, yeah. At least we don't <laughs> eat meat. At least we don't eat meat. And I, know, I guess now we're shopping together. Yikes. And we're both going to go solar. Yeah, we are both going to go solar. That's like half our footprint right there. Oh my gosh, I feel so much better now. Can we podcast every day? Yes. All right, cool. Well, speaking of which, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, it's really fun for us to put these things together. Yeah. If you like this, do uh, follow or subscribe because we will be having more fun podcasts yeah, in the future. Yeah, exactly. And definitely check us out on social. We're Sun Common on Facebook and on Instagram to check out some of the awesome stories that we tell. All right. See you next time, Chad. See you next time, Susanna.